You're listening to The Pillar in Depth, a Catholic storytelling podcast. I'm your host, Kate Oliveira, and this season, we're talking about abortion. I want to tell you about a woman named Gina. Gina grew up in a Chicago suburb. In 2019, she discovered that she was pregnant with her second child, but the timing wasn't good. She was homeless, and she was addicted to drugs and alcohol. She was separated from her son. He was living with her parents at the time. Gina remembers meeting her mom for lunch in those early days of her pregnancy. Her mom handed her a 1-800 number to call for help if she wanted it. It was a nice gesture, but Gina didn't expect much from that phone number. But she remembers feeling like she was out of options, so she gave it a try. And she got connected with Aid for Women, a Catholic network of five pregnancy centers and two maternity homes in the Chicago area. During a recent lunch break, Gina told me about her experience. She took our call while walking outside of her office building, so you're going to hear some wind and other background noise. I did not think that Aid for Women was actually going to help me. Probably just give me some feel-good words over the phone and that would be it. Um, Even at the point where I went for my interview for the housing program, I went to the city and, you know, I told my mom, I was like, well, what are they going to do? I don't have a car. Like, how am I going to get there? Gina got connected with Faith Cintron, who manages Aid for Women's maternity homes. Faith was like, yeah, we'll get you a bus ticket, a train ticket. We'll get you here, whatever you need. Long story short, Gina made it to the interview. And a little over a week later, she moved into Heather's house. Aid for Women has two maternity homes, Heather's house and Monica's house. Monica's house is a longer-term, more transitional environment. Women typically move into Monica's house after living at Heather's house, and they're able to stay there for about two years. Heather's house is for women who are pregnant, and women can stay there for about three to six months postpartum. Anyway, Gina moved into Heather's house, and she told me she had some pretty mixed feelings at first. Honestly, I was very angry. Um, I did not... I did not want to move into a housing facility. Um, I didn't want to have other people telling me what to do. I didn't want to have to answer to anybody. Um, I wanted to do me and that's it. But um, I was in a very desperate situation and I didn't really have anything else. It was very scary and it was very unsure. Um, I mean, I guess you could, if you were to like picture it, it would be like I was just in a black hole and somebody threw a rope and I didn't know what the rope looked like. I didn't know who was going to be waiting for me on the other side of the rope, but um, I had to grab on because that's all I had. Heather's house has rules, expectations. If you're going to live there, you have to log 40 hours of productivity a week. If you want to leave the house for a few hours or even the day, you have to fill out a request form three days in advance. And the place is Catholic. There's a chapel, and moms and staff are expected to gather at 9 a.m. each day for morning prayer. On the weekends, everyone goes to Mass together. There's just all these things that I was not happy about. But um, later down the line, those things came to benefit me um, because I was actually, um, (laughs) at the time that I moved in, I was running from the law, and I was on a warrant. And so when I turned myself back into the courts, Um, I had documentation 
of the last two years, every 15 minutes of my life, that I could be like, hey, look, like I have been doing this. Like I have not been messing around. I have accountability for um, everything. And so um, it really came to benefit me in the end. So I am a planner. Um, I have a planner. I live my life to the T on my planner. But, you know, the situation I was in, I was just in a mess. I was in a big mess. And so it was help, super helpful to, like, refocus me in terms of, like, scheduling and planning, in terms of my relationship with God. When it came time for her daughter's birth in early 2020, Gina felt ready. She told me she wanted to hold her daughter and keep moving forward. Today, Gina and her daughter live in a two-bedroom apartment in Chicago. Her son is in the process of returning to live with them. Gina is working full-time and is studying to be a sonographer. She wants to do ultrasounds at Aid for Women's Pregnancy Centers. Life is really stressful, but it's stressful in good ways. Um, You know, stressful because I have a lot of meetings, but those meetings are producing, you know, income. Um, You know, I'm going to school for um, sonography. So, uh, you know, just stress, but like good stress, not like, oh my God, I'm homeless and I don't know what to do kind of stress. And I feel very strongly about this, um, not just with my daughter, but with my son as well. I mean, I was not in a good situation when I got pregnant with my son either. And um, I do not regret the decision to have either of my children society would say and even myself I mean when I got pregnant with my daughter I was a homeless alcoholic drug addict (laughs) numbers and statistics say that it would probably be better off to not give birth or bring that child into the world and um, you know as unlikely and statistically negative as it was you know here we are and so I don't think there's any situation that any woman should find herself in to think that she's not good enough or that she can't do it. She is everything that the world says. You you should have an abortion. This is Faith Sintron. Gina mentioned her a little bit earlier. Faith manages Aid for Women's two maternity homes. She was, she you know, playing music on the streets and living on a park bench when she found us. You know, by by society standards, yeah, she was a great candidate for an abortion. She had no right to bring a baby into the world. And yet, because of maternity housing, because of maternity homes, she brought a baby into, into the world. She stayed clean and sober. She's, you know, we paid for her to go to her first year of school. Uh, and I keep telling her, like, once you, once you are trained to do ultrasounds, I'm giving you a job. One of my alums, she's in her third year of law school. Like, how crazy is that? That's amazing. Wow. Uh, And she, you know, her parents were pushing her to have an abortion. These women come into my life and share, they share themselves with me. They give themselves to me um, selflessly. And like, my job is to know and share their stories, to keep, you know, keep their names. They're my babies. Um, And they are some of the most amazing strong women um you know they are not damaged they're not broken they just need help and they just need love and they just need to know someone is going to show up for them when gina found out that she was pregnant with her daughter she panicked she panicked because she wasn't sure how she was going to take care of that child she was unable to provide some of the most basic things like stable housing and there are a lot of other women like gina Women who schedule an abortion because they simply don't see any other option. It's hard enough not knowing where you're going to sleep at night. Imagine throwing a baby into the mix. 
The Guttmacher Institute is a research organization formerly associated with Planned Parenthood. It reports that in 2014, some 75% of women who had abortions were poor or low income, meaning they had income at or below the federal poverty level for a family of two. When we talk about supporting women experiencing unplanned pregnancies, we're also talking about supporting these women. That's where maternity homes can come into play. In putting together this episode, I realized that maternity homes might be one of the best kept secrets of the pro-life movement in the U.S. There are more than 400 of them spread across the nation, offering practical, hands-on support for women during pregnancy and those first years postpartum. It's time for people to know about them. The University of Notre Dame's Laboratory for Economic Opportunities just launched a multi-year study on the impact of maternity homes. The study includes five maternity homes, including Aid for Women in Chicago. People involved with the study have said that they hope it will standardize care and raise awareness about the shifting role of maternity homes in general. When maternity homes first began, a lot of women would return to their families after receiving support. But today, maternity homes are seeing a rising correlation between crisis pregnancies and broken families, trafficking, or substance and domestic abuse. Here's Faith with Aid to Women. It's shocking to me how many women are like, I had no idea something like this existed. You know, there's over 400 maternity homes in the United States, and people just don't know we are here. Um, We've been around since the 70s. We've been the answer to the problem since the sense Roe versus Wade was passed. And people don't know we exist. And, um, you know, we need more. We need more maternity homes. Faith told me that a lot of women she meets are skeptical at first. There has to be a catch, right? I picked one girl up at the train station and she was like, you know, my family thinks you're going to take my baby. And I was like, girl, I, I like my sleep. I don't want your baby. I just want to help you. Um, and so, so yeah, like a lot of them don't like they don't understand why someone would want to help them. I had no idea maternity homes were a thing until the rehab suggested I go to maternity home. And I'm like, what is that? I've never heard of that. Anna is a first time mom living at Heather's house right now with her six month old daughter. Anna told me she became pregnant while in rehab. She was 19 at the time. The dad actually was like, I'll pay, I'll give you money for the abortion. And I was like, no, that's not happening. I'm not doing that. And he couldn't accept that. So he, you know, was like, well, I don't want anything to do with it. I grew up Orthodox. And so I, you know, with my religion, abortion just isn't the thing you should be doing. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to follow through with that. Like, I'm not going to get an abortion. Anna knew she was going to carry her pregnancy full term. Her next question was whether she would make an adoption plan for her baby or try to raise her baby on her own. Both seemed like impossible choices to her. For me, I was adopted. And so I, you know, there's a lot of emotional damage behind that sometimes. And so I was just like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I want my daughter to have to go through with that as well. Anna originally moved into a maternity home in Florida. She was in the state for rehab. A few weeks before her due date, she moved into Heather's house in Chicago. She's from Illinois originally, so the move made a lot of sense to her. It was scary at first. I was like, I was the only resident, so it was just me and like two other staff members. Um, So it became lonely at first, and it became scary just because I was like, 
am I making the right decision? What am I doing? Um, and then eventually more girls started coming in after I had my baby. Um, and so then eventually I was able to adapt better because there's more people to talk to. I'd love to also ask you about, you know, that kind of immediate postpartum experience at Aid for Women. Um, what was that like? Because I, I know with my daughter, it was like, I mean, I was up feeding her every two hours. I was exhausted and like I would not have been able to do it without help. I mean, was that your experience? What was that like for you? Yeah, so I was exhausted because Alea woke up like every hour. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I'm so tired. So during the days, um, the staff was so helpful and they would um, watch her for me so I can take naps and do my schoolwork. And so they were really helpful making sure that I had enough sleep because they saw I was like sleep deprived. So one of the staff was like, okay, I'll watch her. You go to like, take a nap, take a nap. And I'm like, okay, good. That's amazing. That's like all you need those early days, just like mm -hmm. sleep. <laughs> I had one staff member have sleepovers with her, which was great so that I can get like a full night's rest. So that was really cool. And how has it been like these like almost seven months with your daughter? I mean, is it like what you expected at all or did you not have expectations? I'm just curious what that's been like for you. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect, you know, with a baby. I was just, you know, I didn't know like all the different changes that she's making right now. Like she's developing in so many different ways, like learning how to crawl and you know, saying mama, she said mama already. And I wasn't expecting any of that. I was like, oh my gosh, like you're so like little, how are you already talking? And, you know, about to start crawling and I wasn't expecting any of it. And now it's just like, it's so cool to watch her grow and develop in so many different ways. Anna and her daughter will move into Monica's house in a few months. That's the transitional maternity home where moms and their babies can live for several years. Anna told me she plans on staying there as long as she is able. She's taking classes right now to work in medical billing and coding, and she feels confident about being able to take care of her daughter on her own. If it wasn't for Aid for Women, I don't, you know, maybe my choice would be different with, you know, putting her up for adoption, but Aid for Women has taught me, you know, I'm strong enough and I have the help in order to keep her. Here's Faith again. I always tell, especially my new staff, like, you are going to meet three different women. We're going to meet the woman who comes in for the interview, who is trying to get something. So she's going to say whatever she needs to say to get what she needs. She's in survival mode. You're going to meet the woman who has lived with us for a month and is finally comfortable and has let her hair down and is being her true pregnant self. And then you're going to meet the mom who is not pregnant anymore. And, you know, like the hormones are all over the place and she's finally like not pregnant. So maybe she quit smoking while she was pregnant and all of a sudden she's smoking again. I'd love to hear more about, you know, your experience as a house mom um, and kind of the day-to-day -day things that might be kind of unexpected, you know, living and supporting these moms through pregnancy. Um, I'm just curious, like, if there's anything that might surprise our listeners about that. Oh my gosh, everything. It's My favorite question <laughs> is, like, what does your typical day look like? Uh, and the answer is, like, there is no typical. There is no typical. Um, you know, anything wild that happens to your life happens in our lives, but we're like four families living together. 
I mentioned this earlier, but moms and staff gather at 9 a.m. each day for morning prayer in the chapel. Once a week, they have family breakfast and everyone enjoys pancakes together. But otherwise, each day will look a little bit different for every person. All moms go through a program called Bright Course, which is basically online classes that cover everything from prenatal development to general life skills. They can also take financial literacy classes. And then moms will dedicate time to their individual goals, the things they believe will help them and their families succeed. Part of our life is just like those goal settings. So, if, um, you know, someone comes to me and says, I want my GED or I want to go to school or I just want a job. Great. Um, and we provide transportation to them within a, you know, a certain, a certain area to get to work, to get to school, to get to public transportation. For moms at Heather's house, there are prenatal appointments, at least one trip to the dentist, and most moms have at least three therapy appointments too. And then just like in between all the the the, the doldrums, all the like the big stuff, you know, that we're making time for like if if there's a day where everyone is just having a bad day, you know, let's do it. Let's just put our pajamas back on and watch Disney movies all day. You know, let's let's bake cookies all day. Let's wh- whatever, you know, whatever it is that we need to, to break up life. Scrabble is, is is a big part of our lives. They <laughs> make all the moms play Scrabble with me. Uno right now is the hot game where like literally they'll play their first Uno game at like eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, we have a little six month old and she's we're, she, we're doing food introductions. Uh, and, you know, you just try to make it into a, an event in the house like Let's vote on what the baby gets to eat today. What you know? What are we going to introduce today? You know, and and celebrating things, celebrating birthdays, celebrating births, doing baby showers. You know, even like so, I have a couple of moms who are in recovery, and so celebrating those those you know AA milestones, those recovery milestones. I imagine, like, I mean, just hearing about this, and it sounds like you know like being able to like play uno like just having people around to celebrate things and whatever it's probably like pretty hard for moms to leave you know how's that experience you know i try my darndest to maintain connection with them um after they leave and it's so funny to me even like whether they leave on their own accord or something happens and i have to you know ask them to leave it's so funny to me that no matter what it is when they leave if they need something they always know where home is um you know i just actually got a text message from a girl who like she got mad at me packed her stuff and left like she was like i'm leaving this is stupid okay cool uh and she was like hey miss faith i need a high chair and i was like great i have one you know when can you get here um you know i make sure that i have copies of all their documents so that way like and i had another mom that was in the fall she was enrolling her girls in school and she didn't have their birth certificate. So she knew she could call Mama Faith and I had a copy of it. Um, so we maintain, you know, sort of like that that family connection, not always, but often mm-hmm. like, you know, that 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 distant aunt that, you know, you can like pop in on when you need something. Aid for Women also hosts family Thanksgiving and a Christmas party each year. Anyone who has ever lived there is invited. Maintaining that engagement, maintaining that that communication is so critical. And like I tell the women all the time, like in their interview, I tell them that I am willing to be their people. Like I want to be your people. I want to support you. I just want to take care of you if you'll let me. 
and I, that doesn't that doesn't go away because they move out. Um, that never goes away. Uh, I still have women that I lived with 11 years ago who will send me first day of school pictures of their, you know, now 11 year old children. You know, I'm invited to to college graduations and weddings and things like that because I'm their people, you know, and I, I made that promise. and I take that promise really seriously. Faith estimates they've had somewhere around 120 women and children come through Heather's house and Monica's house since they opened in 2011 and 2015, respectively. We don't have as, as much of a turnover as a lot of places do because we offer such a long continuum of care and because we take women who have other kids. So every sibling I bring in, you know, I have to weigh that out because I'm giving up a spot for a pregnant woman. Uh, but I also am not going to let a four-year-old sleep on the train. <laughs> so, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta have to weigh that decision. Women are coming in from all different backgrounds, but everyone is expected to respect the culture of the house in little ways, like pizza for dinner on Friday nights. Which I'll be honest, like I'm a type A personality. Most of them are things that I force upon everyone, um, that they have taken those things and adopted them into their own family's culture is so cool. Like I have moms yeah. who we used to do Friday night pizza night. And I still get pictures of like, Hey, Miss Faith, here's my pizza for this week. You know, here I used your recipe. And in big ways, like incorporating prayer into each day and going to mass on the weekends. Hey, remember, like when I occasionally will make them pray the rosary with me or whatever. Um, remember that one prayer you taught us? Can you teach me that again? We're building families like, you know, this is not just like and, and, and teaching them their dignity, not just as a woman, but as a family. You know when people say pro-life advocates don't care about women and babies after babies are born? Faith lives for that. I love those arguments. I I walk I walk fully into those arguments because I say, hi, you know, we, we do do that. We we do, we don't just want babies to be born. We want we want women to thrive. Like my job is to empower women. We're all kinds of crazy feminists over here. I started this season with a question. How can we talk about abortion, especially with people who disagree with us? I had a conversation with my friend Chelsea, and although we have opposite opinions on abortion, we found that we both wanted to support women in the end. You, I think you said such a perfect word. We need to support more people who, you know, whether or not they they see themselves as as being parents, whether or not they want to be pregnant. I think so often what I hear about the stress of realizing, oh my God, I'm pregnant, even before like, okay, do I want this baby? Do I not want this baby? How can I care for this baby? Here's Leah Labresco-Sargent, also from our first episode. Leah is a Catholic writer and chief of staff for debates and public discourse at Braver Angels. Just make sure your engagement isn't limited to arguing. And that way also, when you're arguing, you can invite a friend into something where you're both invested in care. Um, so you can you know, collect diapers together. You can make donations together. There are some things where you'll be able to agree together. We want to offer support here. I think maternity homes and pro-life ministries like Let Them Live, which I profiled in our second episode, are really practical and immediate ways that we can support women experiencing unplanned pregnancy. 
This is a very particular time in history. If you're already working to support women and babies in your area, good on you. But if you aren't, this is it. This is the time to get involved. Faith is looking for a house mom right now, so if you feel drawn to that particular mission, reach out to her. I'll include her email in the show notes for this episode. She also asked me to encourage you to find the maternity homes in your own area and ask what they need. This is the last episode of this season about abortion. I'm taking the next couple of weeks to chase down some stories for our next season, which we'll share details about as soon as we're able. But if I find a story that's just too good to not share, I'll make a bonus episode. The Pillar in Depth is a production of Pillar Media. I'm your host, Kate Oliveira. A very special thanks to everyone who talked with me for this episode, especially Gina and Anna. And I also want to thank everyone who talked with me for this entire season, especially my friends Chelsea and Holly. If you like The Pillar in Depth, share it with your friends and family. Leave us a rating and a review, and consider becoming a paid subscriber to The Pillar if you aren't already. Projects like The Pillar in Depth are possible because of our paying subscribers. You can find a link to subscribe in the show notes. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk soon.